0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Flawed Theology Podcast. I'm Phil.
1: And I'm Susie. And we're asking the question, if your theology were wrong, wouldn't you want to know?
0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode. We're going to call this episode the one with the real God. We're going to put real (laughs) in quotes. Now, we're going to kind of talk about the ways that you would expect a God to reveal himself, like ways that you could prove that a God was real if God did it. And then, what it would look like if humans created God. And this is loosely or not so loosely based on a blog post that Susie wrote, what, about a year or so ago? Yeah. Called If God Were Real.
1: And I think it's not necessarily about proving that the God is real, but just what would you expect reality to look like if that God were real? And what would you expect reality to look like if? The god of religion is based on is not real and what do we see in our reality
0: i think it's gonna be kind of a an interesting conversation and one thing we're going to add to it is what could god do better which i think is a really fun <laughs> kind of epistemological question like if you're talking to someone that is a believer about the existence of god and all that stuff you could be like okay well let's let's take your god and let's say well in this situation, what could God do better? And use that kind of as a, a thinking point for them to be like, if you can think of a way that you could do it better than God, well, then
1: what does that say about your God?
0: Yeah, you know, What does that say about your God? So
1: well, I think a lot of Christians would say that, oh, but this is you thinking you're smarter than God. Or you know you're just human and you're finite you can't totally understand his ways at all yeah but like you said if i as a finite human can think of one small way that god could do better that should say a lot about the christian god
0: uh before we get into that we'll just kind of catch up on things since the last episode and have you been reading any good books lately
1: I did just finish one. It has nothing to do with religion. Okay. It was a John Grisham novel that my mom gave me.
0: Oh, nice. Okay, yeah. John Grisham lives like not too far from me, actually. Down. Seriously. The yeah, like his... I would go
1: berate him about some of the things he's written about.
0: <laughs> yeah, I like his uh, his writing, but I, I knew a friend that actually did alarm systems. They're like, oh yeah, we're going to do John Grisham's house, and I'm like, that's wait, funny. he lives around here? Yes, yeah, but yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, I've been reading a book called Goodbye Jesus by Tim Sledge, uh, who was a a pretty big southern baptist pastor out in texas but he goes into like an insane amount of detail about what it's like to be a pastor and all the kind of political stuff that goes on in churches and stuff so i would highly recommend that book if if you're someone that came from the baptist tradition for sure or if you are not familiar with the baptist tradition at all it'd be really enlightening and that his deconversion story is is pretty interesting too so. yeah
1: i'm fascinated by pastors who deconvert they dedicated their life to it yeah and then they decided it wasn't real and they walked away.
0: I'm fascinated by those stories, too, because like you could not use the argument against a pastor saying it was never real for you. You
1: were never a real Christian.
0: This guy, yeah. especially, like he basically, you know, from the time of being 16, felt that he was called to be a pastor. And that's what he did for 40 years of his life until it kind of all came unraveled. So highly recommend that book, Goodbye, Jesus, uh, by Tim Sledge. Let's get to our, our flawed theology in real life segment. I have a friend, and she's a, a really a, pr- a pretty amazing woman. Uh, she's from kind of like my previous life. She was friends with my ex wife. Well, she recently found out that she has breast cancer, and she has been posting. She writes a blog about her journey. She's also in seminary um, to become a pastor. But anyway, she's been posting all about her journey, you know, her hair loss, and you know, a lot of posts about how God is helping her through this. But she recently posted something that just really kind of irked me. So um, she posted that she had gotten a fever and she was in the ER, which apparently is not good when you're on chemo to get a fever. She basically says she's in the hospital. She's got a fever. She's on antibiotics. And the church had a number of chaplains available when she got home to come by and see her that she goes and she got to see one of her favorite chaplains came by to see her when she got home. And then this is the part that got me. She goes after telling all about her fever and her chemo and knowing the battle that she's going through, she got to see one of her favorite chaplains. And then she goes, isn't the Lord kind? And <laughs> That just really smacked me in the face. You know, the picture that goes along with it is her in the hospital bed, you know, with her, you know, her cap on because she has no hair. She's got her mask on. She's under a blanket. You know, you can tell she's smiling and stuff. But I'm like, isn't the Lord kind is not the first thing that would come to mind if that was my situation. So, so why is this a flawed theology?
1: Well, I think this is an example of the providence of God. Like what we talked about in the other episode, if Mm. God's watching her right now, she's suffering our listeners can't see this picture, but I mean, she looks really weak Yeah, and God's up there going, "Mm, the best I can do for you is to send you your favorite chaplain. That's all. I mean, I'm not going to do anything else for you. Sorry.
0: Yeah. Like it seems like if God was kind, like maybe you wouldn't have given one of your children cancer. Yeah. And then if you are going to give her cancer, maybe you would heal her from it, or maybe you would not let her have complications that would inhibit the doctors doing what they need to do to help get rid of the cancer because the chemo apparently is working and doing what's supposed to do
1: and the fact is that she's suffering right she has the capability of ending the suffering and right. if anybody should have their suffering ended it's her you know if god is real and right. she is a dedicated servant of god why does she have cancer but i don't right that's the question that always goes through my mind like i've never had a tragedy like this happen to me or anyone in my family yeah And I'm an atheist,
0: right? Yeah. You would think like, if really, if what they say is true about following God, then you would think that anyone that doesn't follow God is going to be just reaping copious amounts of judgment and, and horrible things. But, but you don't see that. I mean, you see horrible things happening across the spectrum of people, whether they're God followers or not.
1: Yeah. It's equal probability.
0: Yeah. It's a probability. it's all types of people. So like with these um, segments we always try to say like well how could how could we think about this better like if it let's put one of us in this situation where we have cancer and chemotherapy and a fever i feel like if i was in this situation for one i would probably be devastated but that i would also be like highly reliant on the medical expertise of my care providers you know my doctors my nurses you know everybody that i'm that dealing with that's the people that i would say Aren't these people kind, like even though it's their job.
1: Yeah. Give the credit where it's due. The actual people who are on the floor taking care of her.
0: Yeah. It's just frustrating to to see. And I see stuff like this all the time. It's like people going through horrific stuff and then they pick out the tiniest little thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Then they give God credit for that tiny little positive thing, which I mean, it's great to see positives in difficult situations. I don't have a problem with that. And I would hope mm-hmm. that I would be able to do the same thing in a hard situation. But like, it's what look- you're
1: attributing it to. Right. Do you know what this reminds me of? The phlebotomist who I tried to compliment, who said, No, it's not me, it's God who's good at drawing blood. And right. I told you this. She has lung cancer now. She's dying of lung cancer.
0: Right. Which is crazy because that was like a month ago that you were in yeah. like the office and she appeared perfectly healthy to you, right? I mean,
1: she's older and Yeah. Right. I could see looking back that maybe she wasn't 100%. Right. Never in my wildest dreams did I think she would, that she was dying of lung cancer, but apparently she was.
0: Yeah, and that's crazy. This was a person that gave God the credit for her phlebotomy skills, yeah. and then God rewarded her with lung cancer. And apparently not just not just early onset lung cancer that's treatable, she can't go to work now, right? And she's like die- literally dying. Like,
1: Yeah, she is. But you know what? She's probably seeing it as that god is rewarding her by calling her home right which you can't argue with no you can't can't, tell her no i mean no you can't we see it as god is torturing her with a illness an earthly illness and she will see it as she's getting called home
0: yeah that's that's hard stuff yeah well that's our flawed theology in real life segment hopefully it's uh, we're kind of pointing it out so hopefully you know you guys as listeners will see these things and be like be able to think critically about these situations and and it's useful for you So yeah, let's get into today's topic which is the one with the real god. So the, the discussion about like is god real is is a pretty that's a pretty popular topic amongst not just religious people but love yeah. philosophers and you know thinkers in general. It's funny to me cuz it seems like the only people who don't actually want proof or evidence of god's existence are the ones ones who who categorically (laughs) they the ones who believe in him wholeheartedly a person that doesn't want proof or doesn't want to find evidence like we can't help those people so that's not what this discussion is geared true
1: but it might get people like that to think it might get theists to think about oh i've never imagined what reality could look like if there were a god who used his omniscience and omnipotence omnibenevolence and all that to its full potential. What could a universe look like and how does that compare to our universe? I think that could get people to start thinking at the very least.
0: Yeah. I think that's what we would hope would come out of this uh, episode, you know, for anyone who's listening. I mean, I don't know, like the spectrum of people who listen to this podcast, if they're all (laughs) deconverted people. But if you're a Christian and you're listening to this podcast, I hope that it will challenge your thinking and maybe push you beyond the, the faith realm into the world of of proof and evidence. So for this discussion, we're going to make a few assumptions about God.
1: Yeah. So the assumptions we're making is that the God in question is omnipotent, omnipresent, loving, merciful, and omniscient. And I think that those are qualities that all Christians would agree that their God has. Right. 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 Yeah. And that th- this God in question designed and created the entire universe, including us, and that we as humans have the same qualities that are referred to in the bible so those would be like we we have a sinful nature we're broken we're in in need of a savior and salvation and for the sake of continuity and discussion we will refer to god as a he even though there's no reason god has to be he It's hard to remember to say it all the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because it's really funny to me when people talk about, they always say, oh, well, God is genderless. But then the whole Bible is, it says that he's a he. And then all the structures of everything are all so patriarchal. Yes. I found it actually really like liberating when I was like deconstructing the idea of, oh, well, maybe God is a woman. And then that kind of changed my view of god a little bit
1: i mean wouldn't it make more sense like that women are the ones who give birth to new life so wouldn't it make sense that a god would be female
0: yeah the idea of god as mother made a lot more sense in that concept of course now it doesn't make any sense at all like but (laughs) but at the time i was like okay well the patriarchal thing needs to go away so god as as mother makes sense so what we uh decided to do is we're kind of just Going to discuss a few categories that we can compare how a real God would be versus a fictional/slash human-created God. So the categories would be like what how would this God reveal itself? How would this God interact with humans or his creation? How would this God communicate with the world? And what would this God be like? Like what would his character be? And then, like I we said earlier, we're going to talk about those categories, discuss about how God could do it better based on kind of how we see the current expression of God. And I think you you mentioned this a little bit earlier about like people thinking that they're smarter than God. Yeah. You know, but like that's but such a like, cop. It's like one of no. those cop out things. It's like one of those thought terminating cliches like, oh, you're not allowed to question God because God is bigger than us. Well, that's a perfect thing that you would say if you made up your God.
1: <laughs> yes. And you can't tell me I'm not smarter than God. If I can objectively find a better way to do something than God, (laughs) Right. then the Christian God isn't mysterious. He's basic.
0: All right. So let's get into our our first point. How and to whom would God reveal himself to humanity? (laughs) So let's talk about the who first.
1: All right. If a God were invented by humans, then we would expect that that God would favor the group that invented it, right?
0: Yeah, that would make sense. And that's
1: exactly what we see with Yahweh. So, Yahweh apparently has access, unfettered access to all of time, view Mm -hmm. of and understanding of all creatures. But he chose to contact only one tiny people group, the Israelites. And all of that contact and interventions like miracles and such took place in one tiny strip of land in one tiny sliver of time, right, right. If you think about eternity, yeah, in the billions of years that just that the universe has been around, and you know, four point five that the Earth has been around, that's a very small window of time that God chose to blip in here, and then you know, GTFO.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and like, and it's very interesting. Like, why would He choose the yeah. Israelites of all, like, like why? Because they
1: created Him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Why choose the Israelites? Yeah, like it didn't work out, right? No, <laughs> they weren't the right choice they didn't totally obey God. So why did he choose them if he's omniscient?
0: Yeah. And if God were real, who would he reveal himself to? He would reveal himself to everybody. It wouldn't be like a select group of people. It would be all of humanity would be like, here's God. And he'd be like, Hey, I'm your God. And it would be really clear and obvious. It seems to me like it wouldn't be this small group of people, you know, there wouldn't be like, the elect you know what you hear in calvinism about there's you know select people that have been predestined by god to be chosen like that's not how a god would do things if they really wanted to make their presence known
1: yeah and christians would say that god eventually did expand his view to all of humanity and wants more of a global interaction with us but right in the old testament yahweh was racist (laughs) yeah was selective with uh ethnic groups and According to Christians, God never changes. Right. That speaks for itself.
0: Yeah. And even when you move forward into the New Testament, like for the first bunches of the New Testament in the early church, they were only ministering to Jewish people, you know, and then God had to mm-hmm. come and step in and say, oh no, like the Gentiles are okay too. I, I'm their God too.
1: Paul said that.
0: Yeah. Peter and Paul, you know, like they came, you know, Peter had that dream about the unclean foods and that was, you know, supposed to be God telling him, no, the, the gospel is for gentiles too and people were like up in arms about it they were like oh no 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 this is we're you know god's not for the gentiles so how would this god reveal himself if god did it not if a human
1: did it there are a lot of ways i think that a real god could reveal himself but i think that the one way that a real god would not use is the kind of way that he's using right now right (laughs) a sacred text right so first his message was oral and if we're lucky These things got written down decades or at most thousands of years after the events supposedly happened yeah and then after that these texts were copied translated by people errors were made right things were tampered with things were added and removed and we talked about this in another episode yeah why would an omniscient god choose to do it this way i don't think that he would
0: yeah well i would think that if a god really wanted to reveal himself two people, he would use direct revelation. And I think we already kind of said this, like it wouldn't be through the Bible or a sacred test or prophets or, you know, all the ways that you see in the old Testament or the new Testament, he would just come right down and say, I'm God, Like you know, it would be very obvious. But how,
1: how, how would that happen? Like in corporeal form?
0: Sure. If the Bible is not the best way to reveal yourself as a deity, which we clearly Don't think it is because of all the typographical errors and the historical errors and the scientific errors, which you know we covered in previous episodes. And let's not forget that the Bible isn't everywhere in the world. Yeah. So if you are a God, wouldn't you want to be revealed everywhere? So
1: if a God did want to do the sacred text thing, then why couldn't God have like zapped, just like the Ten Commandments, right? Right. Into the stones, like zapped exactly what we need to know down into in some form that's preserved yeah. into each civilization even if it happened thousands of years ago when civilizations were isolated then that don't you think that would be really impressive if archaeologists uncovered these stone tablets that say the exact same thing right in every language and none of these civilizations had access to each other right That would be crazy,
0: and like across different like time periods too. So here's a here's something from ten thousand years ago, and oh, we just found this other thing that's one hundred and fifty thousand miles away, or and it says the same exact thing, and it's in a different language. You know, there wouldn't be any confusion that way.
1: Yeah,
0: I mean, it's the same thing that police use in like evidence collection, forensics, like corroborating evidence. Like you're looking for things that line up. Yeah. So yeah, if he was to do a sacred text, yeah, he could do it that way. Or he could just like put it into everyone's consciousness, right?
1: Yeah, sort of like a download.
0: Yeah, just <laughs> Yeah. I think the thing about this would be that everyone would have the same information. Because I think Christians and stuff would say, well, God already does this. I, I have this connection with God, but everyone's connection is different. Yeah. The Baptist connection to God is totally different than the Lutheran connection to God, and it's certainly different than the Muslim connection to God.
1: And then people like us who say that we don't hear anything from God, or we haven't received any direct messages from God, right? they say we just aren't listening. (laughs) <laughs> or we're not open to it or whatever so that wouldn't be possible like if god was real and he wanted me to know something i would know it yeah regardless of if i wanted to know it or not yeah and this knowledge would come in a way that it was obvious it was external to our own consciousness because you know thoughts can pop into your head
0: yeah this is kind of like a Fantastical kind of thing, but like if
1: it wouldn't be fantastical if it were real,
0: right? If it were real, it wouldn't be fantastical. You wouldn't have to like wrap your head around. Oh well, that would never work because blah blah. Because everyone would know it. Like you know, he could come down in physical form and just visit everybody in the earth like once a year. Like also, if he's omnipresent, that would be no big deal. He could just pop down and be in everyone's living room all at the same time. Like
1: yeah, sort of like that. What was the episode? The divine hiddenness episode. The beginning yeah. was like yeah, like a floating pillar or something. Yeah.
0: And then the cool thing about that would be Jesus would be in your living room and you would like call me and be like, dude, Jesus is in my living room. And I'd be <laughs> like, yeah, he's in my living room too. And you'd be like, holy shit. You know, we call a bunch of people and they all have Jesus in their living room. And then you wouldn't be able to argue with that because here's hundreds and thousands of people that all have Jesus in their living room. Yeah.
1: And Jesus could answer questions. We could ask him questions. He could answer questions uh, about life, the universe and everything, and basically not be a mysterious a-hole who refuses to talk to us yeah <laughs> uh, there was a holy kool-aid video where he suggested holy billboards like that randomly <laughs> pop up and they're tamper proof so nobody nice. can like vandalize them or anything and they're divinely protected and he had these pictures of them and he said really funny things like during the bubonic plague it was like it's the rats
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh and like told them information that only god would know yeah, like
1: really helpful information like wash your hands
0: not like the billboards that you see when you're driving that I just saw last week while I was driving to South Carolina that say "You will meet God." Okay, <laughs> all right. Will I though? Like, will I <laughs> met him? Wasn't that great? Thanks very much. But so there's a lot better ways, and we just named I don't know four, five, six of them. A lot better ways that god could have revealed himself but instead he chose to do it allegedly the way the christians say it through the bible which is the
1: way that every other religion that they would say is false is doing it
0: right exactly every every religion has their own sacred text the way we got the bible is the most convoluted way ever yeah the Mormons have like their golden tablets with Joseph Smith. And then, you know, the Muslims have the Quran and it came through the prophet Muhammad and all that, you know, so everyone's got their own origin story and they're all, they're all really similar.
1: And they all have the common theme of having to be translated, transcribed and propagated by humans. Right. The God never does anything. And if the God were real, you would assume one would assume, at least I do, that God would have more, would take more of an active role. In the propagation of the most important message of the whole universe that there could ever be.
0: Yeah. I think it's funny to me. Like, I think when you think about like mythology, like Greek mythology stories, it seems like those gods were doing it like how real gods would do it. Oh yeah. Zeus came down off Mount Olympus and he was going to kick some ass. And people were like, oh, shit, Zeus is mad or oh, shit, Poseidon's mad because the ocean is going apeshit, you know, or whatever, you know, like those gods came down and they were pretty clear about what they were there to do. It wasn't like, hey, we're going to send you a book and you guys can interpret it, (laughs) you know, like.
1: And you know what else I just thought of that you would also expect that if this God in the sacred text intervenes and interacts with people in that God's not real, you would expect that that kind of intervention would stop after the sacred text right right so like in our current reality you would expect there would be none of that if the sacred text was made up and that's what we see god doesn't part red seas anymore god doesn't do miracles right even though people say he does it's easily debunked
0: right i think if if i would have been alive at the time of moses and saw the red sea part then i would have been like oh shit, that's real that's real
1: yeah that guy has a god behind him yeah and you know christians would say well god doesn't do this kind of stuff he doesn't interact with us directly anymore because it would violate our free will but that doesn't explain why he did it in bible times right and also that it just doesn't hold up in general yeah
0: did they not have free will back then yeah because yeah yeah,
1: when moses parted the red sea that took away everyone's free will they had to believe in god and for some reason that's really bad yeah um so there's another thought i had that if there is a god it might just not contact us at all because what's the point (laughs) <laughs> right. We don't actually have to know that there's a God out there unless that knowledge or belief is part of some kind of divine plan that this God has, that it's yeah. going to like cook us for all eternity <laughs> unless we believe in it. Right. Can you think of another reason why we would have to know that there's a God just outside of curiosity and not burning for all eternity?
0: Yeah. I mean, it seems like the only reason to know a God is because he's going to do something for you that is going to make your life better, or is going to make your eternity better, or he's going to give you an afterlife yeah it's completely possible that god is real and he just is out there and who cares right but then if that's the case it's just like like uh bart campola was saying like about his justin bieber million dollar check you like, okay yeah. well maybe that million dollar check is out there but i don't make one single decision based, based on, on that, that money yeah. you know so if if there is a god out there and he's not interacting with us which clearly he's not then i don't need to make any decisions based on the existence uh, or the reality of that god All right. So let's go to our second point, which would be if there were a real God, how would we expect relationships to look in the physical world? What's the first one we want to talk
1: about? So the first thing is gender equality. If the God were an invention of a group of people that had a patriarchal structure, then you would expect that their God would adopt their patriarchal views. And that's what we see in the Bible. So the Bible clearly paints women as property of men, that they should be subservient to men, that they are the weaker vessel, they should not speak in church, they should keep their heads covered. They need to right. sleep in a tent when they're sleep menstruating. The yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's... they're unclean for twice as long when they have a daughter instead of a son. a son. Yeah. Clearly, clearly, clearly the Christian God views women as subservient and lesser to men.
0: Some people might say, oh well, that's the old testament God. But no, it's all no. through the New Testament. And it's super pervasive today. Yes, in the Christian church, like women are not equal. In some very progressive churches that have female pastors and you know all that kind of stuff, yeah. But there's people that buck against that in Christendom. That like, oh, female pastors are wrong. You know, that's not Mm -hmm. in the Bible. And like, my mom, that can't be. And and look at like purity culture is a perfect example of patriarchal system that is set up to basically put the burden on women and and put the whole thrust of maintaining morality on women you know and men don't have any responsibility (laughs) like in Mm -hmm. that thing it's got to be that's got to be the women's dress and you know you got to make your pledge and you're a you're a crumpled dollar bill if you had sex before you were married you know that's yeah
1: as we grow as a society and become more enlightened we know there's no objective or rational reason why people would have different roles based on their gender or their sex right so, why wouldn't a god know that? Right. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it more likely that a misogynistic culture created a misogynistic god than the actual tri omni god of the universe is misogynistic?
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. When you
1: put it like that, it's so obvious.
0: Yeah. It's just like saying the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Yeah. If you made up a god, you're going to make him kind of in your own image. And I think, I forget yes. who said this, but I feel like it's Anne Lamott or something who said something like, where a lot of people think that. We're made in the image of God, but really what they're trying to do is make God in their own image. And then th- I think the quote goes on to say, like, if your God hates the same people you do, you've made God in your image. He has not made you in his image.
1: Yeah. That's
0: what people do. They look at the world through their own lens and then they basically bend God to their own kind of worldview. And that's why you have. 40,000 different denominations in Christianity and you have thousands of other religions because everyone is looking through their own lens and they're trying to make a deity that works for them.
1: Another example of this is that passage in Leviticus where God says who can and cannot approach the altar. And mm. he lists like all these disfigurements and right. ailments and diseases where we know that they're not like harmful, like a hunchback. Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So they ha- they had superstitions against a hush against a hunchback, you know, different birth defects, blindness. But they were superstitious about it, and so was God. Right. But we know there's no reason, there's right. no legitimate, rational reason why those people would be less worthy of approaching a holy altar. Right. And the same goes for racial equality, sexual orientation, and identity. I mean, piggybacking on the gender thing, you can replace gender with race. Sexual orientation and it still stands.
0: Yeah, it's the same idea. Yeah. If you're viewing Jesus as white Republican Jesus, you've made God in your own image. A real yeah. God would understand that no group of people should be dominant over another group of people or be inherently superior to another.
1: Yeah, based on their skin color or right. what latitude they come from, that's ridiculous. Yeah. This
0: is what the Holocaust was about, and like yeah. the rise of the Third Reich was like. And he used the Bible as the justification. Uh, if you've read Hitler's writings, there's scripture all through there. He used the Bible to justify why the Aryan race was chosen by God. You know, and you see the same thing with sexual orientation and all of that stuff because it's just a way to usurp. Or illicit power and control over people. It's not what a God, an omnibenevolent yeah. and omniscient and omnipotent God would not do it that way because he wouldn't need yeah. to. Like a, a real God wouldn't need to control people based on the color of their skin or their sexual orientation or their gender. He wouldn't need to because he's God, (laughs) you know, like,
1: right. And the thing about all these things that we're talking about is you you can't help what race you are. You're born with it. Right. You can't help that you're a woman. You're born like that. And we now know, no, scientifically and anecdotally that homosexuality, not chosen. You know, April Joy talked about this with her brother, that when her brother came out to her, she knew immediately that it wasn't a choice. Right. Wouldn't a God of the universe understand that too?
0: Seems like he would. You would think. And the only way he wouldn't is if a man made him up
1: yep and then one more telltale thing that i want to talk about huge red flag that a god would permit endorse and write laws permitting slavery right regulating slavery yeah i think that's crazy that people think that that could have come from a god and you know there's articles written to justify it and saying oh it wasn't that kind of slavery well yes it was right it was but also that the thing that we hear most is that like oh it's a progressive revelation so god had to meet them where they were they couldn't understand right Right. but really like he told them not to eat shellfish he told (laughs) women to go sit in a tent he couldn't tell people not to own other people right and besides the new testament wasn't any better it still endorsed slavery and where at what point exactly did god say oh slavery's bad that's something that humans had to come to on their own right slavery incredibly damning in the bible
0: yeah I was just reading in the book that I'm reading, the Goodbye Jesus book by Tim Sledge. He talks about slavery too, and how initially, when he was in seminary, or whatever his his professors were telling him, "Well, God doesn't change," you know, so when God talked about slavery, um, it was because that's what was culturally acceptable at the time. But then, as man progressed. They realized that slavery was bad. So man realized that slavery was bad, but God still said that it was okay. And so they were, were just adjusting to the culture. And that's why God never came out and said anything about slavery in the Bible, because it was man basically that decided that slavery was bad. And he was he was basically saying, you know, I couldn't get on board with the idea that my professors said that God never changed when clearly he did you know, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. like
1: Yeah, that's messed up.
0: There's no way that you could logically defend slavery as a Christian in 2023. Like, you can't. And God
1: would have known that. A forward-thinking God would have seen this problem coming. Right. That, oh, maybe I should, like, take more of a stand against slavery in the Bible so that in a few thousand years, when they've really figured out that slavery is bad, they won't look back at the Bible and and think, God really... was okay with slavery like oh let's not worship this god let's not follow this god right especially since the bible isn't changing like he's not zapping down updates
0: right (laughs) there's there's no updates yeah there's
1: no updates
0: so how about um another part of this is like church and doctrine like if god were real then his church would be unified you wouldn't have such segmentation and all these different denominations and all these different religions there'd be one church and one doctrine and everyone would agree on it because it'd be clear and obvious that it was true it wouldn't be open to interpretation
1: i even think there wouldn't be much of a doctrine yeah a doctrine is for control right it's like you have to do this god is like this do this do that right i'm not sure that god a real god would impose so much dogma onto people yeah I think it would be like, love people, right? Love right. people, treat each other with kindness, reduce suffering on your on this earth, and then everybody will have a perfect life in the afterlife or something.
0: Right, yeah. Doctrine is definitely something that is created, is man-made as a way to basically say, th- because I've got this connection to God, I can tell you what to do. <laughs> like, that's what doctrine is. Yeah, like, yeah. If man invented God, you would see what we see now. The church is fragmented due to differences and contradictions in the texts and... Different humans would create different salvation stories with a crazy, convoluted storyline. And the Bible wouldn't make any sense, you know, which it doesn't. And there'd be no evidence (laughs) for God, which there isn't. That's what it would look like if man invented God. If God were real, how would this God communicate with the world?
1: So this is communication that's beyond... The revelation that we talked about earlier, right? This is like one-on-one communication.
0: Yeah, this would be, I guess, part of the like human divine relationship. Like, how would that work? And I guess this would assume that the God wanted to have relationship with humans. That might be another assumption, right? That we're putting on this God, like this God wants to interact with humanity. He cares about us. He loves us. He wants us to be happy. Yada yada. Which
1: I'm not. Yeah, I wouldn't (laughs) necessarily take that as a yeah. Right.
0: But since we're but, following the model of the Christian God, then exactly. that's, yeah, that's what we would say. Right. So let's start with prayer. Like, would you even need to have prayer if God were real? We kind of talked about this yeah. in, the, in the prayer episode.
1: I don't think so, because a God that's omniscient would already know what we want and what we need and would give us what we need and would know what's good for us. And so would reduce our suffering already. And we wouldn't need to ask. Right. That's why I think that we wouldn't actually have to pray. I think prayer might be more for... Like you said, communication and having a relationship. And right. it would be like talking to this God on the phone. Yeah. And this God would actually answer you clearly, like as if right. I'm talking to you right now.
0: Yeah. You just pick up the phone, you call like 1 800 Jesus Talk, and he would answer. <laughs> and he'd <laughs> be like, yo, what? that's too many numbers, but you know, it you is know, too
1: many numbers. It can
0: be truncated. Maybe in this ultimate reality, phone numbers have like 12 numbers. So it, we'll make it work.
1: It could be sus talk.
0: It would be just a conversation, you know, and he, you could be like, Hey, I need this or whatever. He's like, Oh yeah, I knew I already had that worked out for you.
1: Or it could be like, if you're lonely or you're sad, right? pick up the phone and call God. And he would be like the best therapist right? (laughs) because he made you.
0: Yeah. And you would get an actual answer that wasn't just like based on your own cognition and your own cognitive biases and your own, like what you wanted God to say.
1: And he wouldn't give thought terminating cliches ever. (laughs)
0: Right, yeah, he would actually answer you, and there and there wouldn't be suffering, and you wouldn't need to pray for like relief for things because he would have kind of preemptively made sure that you weren't suffering. So
1: right. I'm not sure we can ever say there are there is no suffering because like, if you imagine good and bad as like a scale or a gradient, right. and right now, what we currently experience on the very end of bad, the very end, that's suffering. But let's say God took all that away that's down there. Yeah. and then what we have left is like the very top of the spectrum, which is like good, like super good, is at the top, right. and then like it goes down, and it's like it's still good, but it's less good. Right. And if that's all we experience, that's our new gradient. And what is now less good is now our suffering. suffering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to overcome that, but yeah. you can say you definitely can say that there is needless suffering in the world, like the Holocaust. Like we keep right. talking about the Holocaust and right. like genocide and starvation. It's needless suffering.
0: Yeah. And that's not like on a continuum of like, well, okay, that in in some universe, the Holocaust is somewhere in the middle, you know, like, that's God awful. Like, everybody knows that. It's not like, hey, the whole world is ice cream, and they don't have a flavor I like
1: exactly you know
0: that's the, that's the yes. spectrum that you're talking about it's like yeah. that's a continuum and like
1: our suffering right now like when the dishwasher breaks and we have to wash our dishes with running water in a sink with soap, right. and we're like oh this sucks so bad i wish i had a <laughs> right. no dishwasher but then like our grandmothers it, back in the 1920s they didn't have dishwashers
0: right and there's some cultures where they're taking their stuff down to the river and washing it uh, like on rocks yeah <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> yeah and they don't have soap and you know all that kind of It's stuff.
1: like cholera and right yeah. yeah.
0: So if a human invented God, of course, prayer would be required because you have to be able to communicate. And then God would never give you a clear answer. He would give you like real clever answers like yes, no, wait, or yes, no, maybe, which we already talked about in the milk jug episode. Yeah. There's no difference between that and just basic probabilities of getting the answer to your prayer.
1: Yeah. Or like a magic eight ball right. will give you better answers than yes, no, wait. At least it's like try again later or-
0: <laughs> It is decidedly so.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You get
1: more answers, more range of answers, at least. Right. Even if they're just as meaningless. But yeah, right. the, when there's no differentiation between God and a milk jug and a magic eight ball, that's a problem.
0: Right. And if you can think of like, well, if if I were God and I wanted to do prayer better, and you can think of a way that you can do prayer better, which we've already talked about, like it's actual two-way communication. Well, that, that tells you that there's something wrong. Because if we can think of a way that prayer would be better than how it currently is, interacting with the supposedly real God, well, then that's not the best way.
1: And if a Christian was here right now hearing us, they would say, God can't talk to you back because then you would know too much. Right. And you would know about God, you would believe in God, and you wouldn't need faith. Right. But if God were real, yeah, you wouldn't need faith.
0: Right. Right. Faith is only something you need if there's no evidence. Yeah. If you have evidence and proof, then that's correct. You don't need faith. Which goes back to that thing we've said many times that having faith is not a virtue. It's a, it's a flaw and it's a delusion. Yeah. It's not something yeah. that someone should be proud that they have.
1: It's something that you need to arrive at every religion right you shouldn't think that it's a virtue when you can use faith to arrive at a faulty conclusion
0: but yeah you can use faith to com- arrive at any conclusion yeah i can have faith right now that there's a flying spaghetti monster in my garage but when i go out there and look at my garage the only thing that's out there is a bunch of shit.
1: <laughs> yeah and the crazy thing is that you could still insist it's there it's just invisible
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah So, moving on to another way that God might communicate, uh, let's talk about the aspects of science and nature. So, you would think that if God were real, that then science would be able to confirm his existence. And then nature would also be consistent, kind of, with the character of God, right? Like, God would have made the world with humans in mind like nature wouldn't have all this danger you wouldn't have natural disasters yeah
1: you wouldn't need parasites and right malaria and mosquitoes and yeah all these kinds of creatures whose job it is just to create misery not just in humans but in other animals yeah i mean the whole process of evolution just itself was agonizing to all conscious creatures. Right. It's a it's a system that is based on death. Right. <laughs> it doesn't work without death. So right. it's a horrible way for an all loving, all powerful God to bring about living creatures.
0: Yeah, that that puts a, a knock in the in the coffin of like theistic evolution evolution because you can't say yeah well, god just kicked it off and then he allowed all these things to die (laughs) because that's how it was going to work
1: and when that gets brought up in that group that we're both in where the christians believe in evolution yeah their response is that well you don't know what god considers good we don't know (laughs) what's good and i'm like i know this is not good right i could do it better okay so one thing i could do better predation is horrible yeah we could all photosynthesize why why not yeah why not we all have surface area yeah (laughs) why couldn't every human every animal every plant everything photosynthesize why not i just made it better
0: you just made it better yeah and there wouldn't be like design flaws in our bodies like (laughs) one of a friend of ours that posted about wisdom teeth this week did you see her post Yeah. saying that she had wisdom teeth like were below the gum line and they were growing like sideways or something like that (laughs) and then she goes intelligent design you know like like you wouldn't have that you wouldn't have these things like vestigial organs
1: the reason that christians give for the wisdom teeth thing would be the fall everything got screwed up with the fall but are they really saying that we did not have wisdom teeth before the fall and then like as soon as eve you know ate the fruit then god is like oh you know i'm gonna give them extra tooth at the back that's really hard to clean and it's gonna be very problematic
0: that's probably what they would say because there was only two people back then and they didn't have wisdom teeth And then Cain and Abel would have had wisdom teeth because they were the products of sin. So they probably would say that. And of course, unfalsifiable. So if there was no God, then our environment would be the result of unguided natural processes. That means that you know there would be parts of the universe and the world that are uninhabitable.
1: Which is most of it.
0: Right. Which is what we see in reality now. Like food and safety wouldn't be guaranteed. There'd be war, genocide, famine, all these things that would because shit just happens the way it happens like yeah what does reality look like the universe is huge most of the (laughs) earth is freaking ocean
1: yeah and and inhospitable climates
0: yeah the ocean terrifies me like i I find it fascinating but it's also like crazy if you really think about how much water is yeah. out there, and like how deep it is, and what kind of shit is under there? Like
1: <laughs> one side of the Earth is basically just water. Like if you look at a globe and you spin it, the one side is basically just blue. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm terrified of tornadoes. I think I've mentioned this before. That I regularly have nightmares about tornadoes. And if there is a God, that really sucks. Right. That God created tornadoes or like allows tornadoes. Right. There's like towns that just get leveled in a span of a few minutes.
0: Yeah. Horrible. Uh, you got a lot of tornadoes in Maryland.
1: No, I mean, every now and then, but no, it's not something that we regularly worry about.
0: But yeah, but God loves you so much. He gave you the fear of tornadoes, even though you've yeah. never been
1: exposed to one. Never been exposed to one, no. <laughs>
0: but yeah, there's so just, there's so many design flaws that you see, like humans having too many teeth to fit in their mouth. <laughs> yeah. 75% of human embryos miscarry. So what are some of the ways we kind of talked about some of these, but how, what are some of the ways that this could be done better? We talked about suffering a little bit, you know, and that maybe there wouldn't be gratuitous suffering. Yeah. There might still be things that are bad, but it wouldn't be just like abject suffering that you can categorically say, this is horrible. You know,
1: there would be no murder and there would be no child abuse if I were God. Right. Okay. Let's grant the Christian that human beings need free will. And that includes the free will to inflict harm on other people. That violates the free will of the victim to not have harm inflicted on them. Doesn't it? Yeah. So if you were God, how, how could this be prevented? Do you have any ideas? Cause I do.
0: You're saying that there's a way that free will could exist in your. I think so.
1: Yeah. Because you can still have the desire to kill people and you could go and try to do it right but like let's say that you were there as a person as a human being Mm -hmm. and somebody's trying to murder me would you i mean if you're really brave (laughs) and you knew you weren't going to die right you would get in front of me and like or no like elsa did right (laughs) she put her hand up and she stopped the knife from going in why couldn't god do that yeah and that would that would save the victim and all it's doing is preventing the knife from like connecting to the person and actually right. being murdered and then well what would a human do what would humans do we would put that criminal in jail god could be like oh sorry you're a bad person Boop, you're gone
0: <laughs> right <laughs> why Yeah. why not right yeah if you're gonna try if you're gonna try to kill someone then god gets to just yeah. vaporize you from the plant, i don't know, you know if know. that's
1: the right way to do it but i know the wrong way to do it is to be so obsessed with free will right you're like criminals sure go ahead rape (laughs) murder steal whatever you want to do right i'm not going to intervene and i'm not going to protect the people who are being murdered and raped
0: right i always find this interesting when people talk about free will they're the same people that are saying don't take my guns but my kids are getting shot up in school or don't let the drag queens have story hour because they're indoctrinating my kids but i'm really into free will yeah if you're doing something that is not genuinely loving or genuinely beneficial to society, there's a recipient of your free will that is having their free will violated. Exactly. What would this God be like? What characteristics would God have if he were real? Let's do not real first.
1: Okay. So if God were invented by a specific group at a specific time, you would expect that there would be similarities between that God and other fictional gods at the time, like of surrounding cultures. Right. So do we see that?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, look at the whole Old Testament is like just borrowed mythology from other stuff of the time, the Sumerian Mm -hmm. mythology. Yeah,
1: Akkadian.
0: Baal all those gods that were supposedly the false gods that the israelites were not supposed to worship and there was millions of them
1: like baal and el right
0: like there was tons of them like the Malachites had their god and you know this and they weren't had different their from god.
1: yahweh they were no. they were all the same
0: no they weren't any different like yeah
1: yahweh re- requires blood sacrifice right just right. like other gods at the time right which we look at it now and we're, we're thinking like okay well that's weird that god right. requires blood sacrifice why would he do that? Oh, it's because all the other gods did, and it was a popular thing to do.
0: Right, and then you see that even carried through into the New Testament and ha- and how Christianity is today. That blood sacrifice is still required. That's why Jesus had to die. You know, which yeah is so archaic. Like if you really think about it, like why would a loving God require death and, and blood as a means to salvation? It doesn't even make sense. Like,
1: and we're talking about the God who invented like everything, everything <laughs> right. I- including all the science that we now understand right quantum physics right and more that we haven't understood yet yeah. and it cares about the, sh- the shedding of blood it cares about animal sacrifice it right it thinks that there's a pleasing aroma of an animal sacrifice yeah that doesn't line up
0: if humans invented god then of course the god would look like gods of other religions and then like the stories surrounding the gods would all look similar to like the virgin birth story uh, yeah you know a god came down and impregnated a woman and then there's a, a god offspring you know that's common in all mythology
1: yeah it doesn't have to be a virgin necessarily but a mortal so right, like immortal, a father yeah. god and a mortal woman yeah right. yeah that is a classical trope and yeah, then also classic. the jesus like being a dying and rising figure I've read a lot about, or I've watched a lot of like videos of Richard Carrier and everything. Mm. I'm not sure if these theories like are actually held by mainstream scholarship, but there were like other figures that possibly were dying and rising, like Osiris, Dionysius, and all those examples come from the ancient Near East,
0: right? And there's some like there's some Chinese mythologies um, and Asian mythologies that are the same thing, where someone died and they came back from the dead. Egyptians had the same thing; that was a common mm-hmm. thing because. What a great way to prove that your God was real is you were dead. And then they came back. Christianity made up the same thing, you know, and they said, oh, he was seen by the, you know, these two witnesses and then the 500. And, you know, these are all just like great stories that serve as some kind of proof. But the problem is, is that nobody was actually there to document the actual proof because it was all hearsay, you know.
1: So let's say that the Christian God is real what are the odds that the one true God, he created the universe and he sat back and watched billions of years go by and then watched as humans started inventing gods, right? Like Baal and El and all the others. And then God was like, huh, those are pretty good guesses. They have pretty good guesses down there in the Fertile Crescent. Yeah, Their gods are almost like me, the real God. Well, I guess (laughs) I'll head down there now and make myself known to them. That won't be at all confusing.
0: (laughs) Right. Or I won't head down. I'll send down some tablets. (laughs) And put him in some rock and I'll have a guy with a big beard say, I ran into God. He was in a burning bush.
1: True. True. Mm. Although he did like, he did actually appear in the garden and he did close the door of the ark and then he wrestled with Jacob. So like he did come and do some stuff.
0: Yeah. But in all those stories, you don't ever see that the person saw God. Like when Moses saw God, it says he couldn't see him. He could, cause he couldn't look directly at God. God passed by him and he was hid behind a rock. All the people that are in the ark, it doesn't it doesn't ever say that God physically closed the door of the ark and anybody saw him. And and in the Garden of Eden, it also says, you know, that God walked in the garden and talked with Adam, but it doesn't really go into a lot of detail about how that looked. Did they see each other? I was thinking about that story that said like Adam and Eve were hiding from God in the garden. How the
1: fuck were they hiding from God? From yeah. The
0: omnipotent, omniscient God who created the damn garden. And put him in there, and they're hiding. That yeah. doesn't make any sense. That's a sidebar.
1: <laughs> it's like Truman trying to hide in the Truman Show.
0: Right? Yeah, it's, it's like pretty
1: impossible when you have a thousand cameras on you. Yeah, and
0: I, I guess you know Christians would say that. Oh well, God took the form of a god that they would understand, but then that means that God didn't have enough forward thinking to see how ridiculous and dubious dubious that would look once you zoom out and see the big picture.
1: Yeah, like us looking back. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and if God can see the past and the future, He would know oh, well, they're going to create me in the image that they understand. like That it
1: would look confusing for us later.
0: Yeah, it would look super confusing. Why would he be the real suspicious. one and the rest of them are not real? That doesn't even make sense. Like,
1: Yeah, if he had all the wisdom in the world or all the wisdom of the universe, then God would know that this would be problematic for rational human beings at any point in time to look back and see that Yahweh was the same as all the others. Yeah. That there's nothing special about Yahweh. Wouldn't Yahweh actually want to be set apart? Right. and be markedly different from the rest of the fake gods
0: yeah it seems like he would do something different that would make him stand out and people say oh And, and you know you see these fictional stories where like supposedly god did stuff like that in the old testament like when the prophets of baal we're going to challenge Elijah and they were going to build an altar to the gods and the prophets of Baal marched around this altar for, I don't know how many days and nothing ever happened, you know, and then Elijah went out and he prayed around his altar and then God (laughs) set down fire. If that really happened, well, shit, I would have believed in that God too. Like it was pretty obvious, you know, the fire from heaven is a pretty good indicator, you know, but.
1: Too bad that never happened.
0: Too bad it didn't happen. Like that's just.
1: Plus the people who wrote the book about God are the ones who believed in God. And so, of course, they're going to write something where that is supposed proof of God.
0: Right. You know, Christians did kind of, you know, take a shot at giving God like these divine characteristics that would transcend humanity, like you were saying, like, well, that's what the omnis are, you know, omnipresent, omnibenevolent, omniscient, omnipotent. They tried to make all those Say, oh, our God is this thing, but then they didn't realize that for God to have all those qualities, they're logically inconsistent, which we've talked about. It seems like in every episode, yeah. <laughs> like how those zombies—they yeah. can't all exist, you know. So they tried to say, you just created a fictional character, and then because there's, you're not ever going to require any evidence, you can just say, well, God is all these things, but really, it's not possible for a God to be all those things, you know, in yeah. reality. To wrap up this this topic, I think we can safely draw the conclusion that the current God of Christianity is exactly what we'd expect from a deity that was created by humans to exert power and control over people. And if we as humans are able to look at God and see numerous ways that he could be doing things better then it makes it really hard to use logic and reason as your tools to verify that god is real. Specifically the christian god, you know, that's what we've been focusing on. But really any god, like
1: Yeah, and I think the the fact that it's so easy to come up with better ways, even just one better way to do something. Right. It says a lot about the existence of this god that they're claiming exists.
0: Well, I hope you guys uh, enjoyed that topic. We want to kind of end this segment with a parable, which is, you know, in the bible was a a type of story that Jesus used to tell to, to, to get his point across. And I think this is a real, I I came across this again, in the book that I'm reading, I thought it would be really useful for people listening because it talks about how hard it is to walk away from faith. It tells that story. So this is kind of a way to kind of wrap up this episode and be, I don't know, I guess, feel this like a kind of encouragement in where you are in your journey Once you commit to live your life as a person of faith, once you start the journey, faith becomes a part of you that is hard to jettison. We may think of the faith journey like climbing the world's highest peak and looking for anything that will help along the way, as illustrated in the following parable. Frank is about to climb Mount Everest, and he knows he is risking his life to do so. On the way to base camp, he stops to pray at a remote temple, where he meets a monk. With an air of mysticism, the monk convincingly predicts that Frank will make it to the summit and descend safely, but warns, there is one thing you must do. You must wear this magic coat that I am giving you. There is no other coat like it in the world. This coat will not only keep you warm, it will empower you to make it to the top. It will give you courage, endurance, protection. Only with this coat will you succeed. Without it, you will surely die on the mountain." Frank is mesmerized by the words of the monk. He leaves a generous offering and dons the one-of-a-kind magic coat, a coat that looks like any other, but has hidden powers. Soon, Frank is trudging upward with other climbers, one of whom is wearing a coat just like his the climber asks frank where he got that coat and upon learning it was from the monk laughs and asks how much did you give him for your magic coat the laughing climber explains that the man is not a monk but a shrewd salesman who has learned that he gets paid the most for a coat when he boasts of its powers gives it away and asks for nothing in return he tells frank that a number of the climbers who donned the monk's imposter magic coats have frozen to death on the mountain Successfully climbing the world's highest peak is not about wearing a magic garden, it's about conditioning, timing, good decisions, endurance, and luck. But you do need protection from the cold. As much as Frank wants to take off the coat and fling it into the nearest crevasse, he has no other coat to wear. No matter how much the coat reminds him of his gullibility, he needs it to survive the chill of the wind. He doesn't need the coat to be magic, he needs it to keep him warm. Without the coat, he will die. He doesn't stop wearing the coat because it is all he has. That story kind of just tells why people wear their faith. Your faith, it was the way you dealt with all the challenges in your life. And shedding that coat can be a matter of survival. The reason we do this podcast, I think, is to really help people shed that coat. And it can be hard. Yeah, Sometimes you think about the stuff you believed. I know I do. And I'm like, man, what a dumbass. Like, how on earth did I believe this stuff? And then this story makes it perfect. Like, man, I needed to stay warm. I had to survive the mountain.
1: The coat isn't a coat. It's a cancer. Mm. It's a tumor. Yeah. You need it as much as you need a tumor. Right. (laughs) You only think that you need it. You only think it's doing you good. Yeah. But it's a placebo effect and you are getting through your problems on your own.
0: That's how we want to end uh, today's episode. We thank you guys for for listening to this episode of the Flawed Theology Podcast. I'm Phil.
1: And I'm Susie. Tune in next time where we will continue to tackle the question. If your theology were wrong, wouldn't you want to know?
0: Make sure you uh, join us on our Facebook group, which is called Dangerous Dangerous Questions. Um, It's uh, a place that we hope to connect with people just to be a safe space as you're on your journey away from faith. because like. Many of us have experienced it can be scary. So join us on the Facebook group Dangerous Questions. Follow us at the Flawed Theology and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. See you next time. And Christians say, Oh, the Bible, I love it when people say that. Well, the Bible is so clear on this then you point out to them all the ways that it's not clear and then they just throw one of the thought terminating clichés at you saying oh well yeah. you don't understand it because you don't have the holy spirit or you know his ways are higher than our ways but I'm like, but I thought you said it was clear.
1: (laughs) I once sat in the middle of my mom and my sister. They were literally on both sides of me. This was when my sister was converting to Seventh-day Adventism. Uh And my sister was saying that, oh, you shouldn't drink because of X, Y, Z in the Bible. It was like new wine. They they thought it was translated as new wine, which is grape juice. And that you shouldn't drink actual wine. And then my mom had verses to back her up. (laughs) And I was just sitting there thinking, how could both of them have verses? Right that justify their positions from right. the same book that's supposed to be from God. Like it shouldn't be this confusing. And I that was like 12, f- 15 years ago. Yeah. So I'm thinking that really took a chink out of the armor for me yeah. and started letting a lot of doubt to build up.